Listener Production. I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto, and this is The Science Briefing, a podcast about the science of everything. And hey, Happy New Year! Just before the new year, we did a few recap episodes on some of the biggest science stories from 2022 and also the most clicked on stories for Cosmos magazine. But today we're flipping it and looking forward into 2023 into the future. And in particular, looking at what will make waves in energy this year. So to take us through that, we have Cosmos magazine journalist Ellen Fidian. Ellen, hey. Hi. First speller out for us, we're talking about energy. What do we mean exactly? What I want to talk about today are things like batteries, renewables, electricity, and the grid in Australia, all of the things we can expect over the next year. Obviously, in a warming climate, changing our energy systems is the biggest thing we can do to reduce the impacts of climate change. So reducing the things that produce carbon dioxide Interestingly, our energy systems are going greener faster than we expected. The Australian energy market operator keeps making pretty ambitious predictions for renewable penetration, and then we keep exceeding them. So it's going really quite quickly, um, and it's going to get greener and greener. I mean, that's good. I don't know if it's surprising, but that's good news. Yeah, because wind and solar are now the cheapest forms of energy. It's moving really quite quickly, which is nice. The federal Labor government's rewiring the nation plan, which is all about improving the grid and transitioning to renewables, is moving along in a fairly straightforward way. A lot of their plan focuses on improving the national grid, so basically making sure you can transmit energy really, really easily Mm -hmm. anywhere along the east coast of Australia, and that makes it really easy to take advantage of renewables um, because basically as long as you've got wind and or sun somewhere between Sejuna and Cairns, then you can generate electricity into that grid. I think we have that, so that's good. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth noting that Australia is still mining and exporting tremendous amounts of fossil fuels Mm -hmm. overseas. So while our domestic energy plan is looking quite good, exports are a huge problem. Okay, well, let's not forget that, but (laughs) let's get into energy here in Australia. So in no particular order, we're not doing a countdown today, which is a little bit sad, but also, you know, we're mixing it up. It's 2023. It's a new year. Let's dive into the most notable energy stories and innovations for 2023. Ellen, where do we want to start? I wanted to start with a kind of fun one. So in October, there's going to be a solar car race happening in Australia. Every two years, there's a thing called the World Solar Challenge, which is a solar car race that happens between Darwin and Adelaide. And so it's this international challenge. Teams of mostly university students, sometimes high school students, sometimes other people, build these solar vehicles and then they race them over this 3,000-kilometre track right down the middle of Australia. And it takes them a few days to kind of do that. Yeah, wow. There are a bunch of rules around what the cars have to be and how they work. They can only have 10% of their energy already stored, so all of their other energy has to come from the sun. Basically what that means is they have to design these incredibly efficient vehicles. They have to do all of this work to recover energy from the car as it's moving so that you can get like appropriate amounts of solar energy in there as well. The point of these races is that electric vehicles can and should go anywhere. You can, if you can get a vehicle from Darwin to Adelaide on solar panels, then you can do pretty much whatever you like with it. 
Well, let's hope the sun is shining and it's not horrible and overcast like it is here <laughs> at the moment. Oh, fingers crossed. What's next, Ellen? The second thing I want to highlight to keep an eye on this year is a really, really ambitious renewable energy project. It's a thing called the Sun Cable. This is also something that starts in Darwin. It's a proposal for basically a huge connector between Darwin and Singapore that will transmit energy. So it's a 4,200 kilometer undersea cable that's going to travel through Indonesian waters, possibly stop at a few Indonesian islands and connect Darwin and Singapore so that we can send energy to Singapore. Oh, It's currently sort of waiting for approval from an environmental perspective. It's under review there. If all of that goes ahead, the theory is that it will be connected to the world's largest solar farm in the Northern Territory and they will supply renewable energy to Singapore. So Singapore, where there are a lot of people and not very much space, gets renewable energy. Yeah. And Northern Australia in return gets income and jobs from this huge cable and this solar farm. Ellen, do you know how fat the cable would have to be, just out of curiosity? I don't actually, I don't know how big the cable's got to be. I imagine it's got to be colossal. There's, there isn't really anything like this in the world. There no. are a few, they're modelling it on a few huge land-based cables in China. Mm-hmm. So, so there are a couple of big infrastructure projects in China that are sort of similar to what they're doing here, but it really is kind of a one-of-a-kind thing. So It sounds massive. Yeah, it's huge. It's a, it's a really, really ambitious project. It'll be really interesting to see if it works. Um, The Indonesian government's thrown quite a bit of money behind it. A couple of very prominent billionaires, Mike Cannon-Brooks and Andrew Forrest, have both invested in it. So there are quite a lot of people who are placing pretty big bets on that it's going to work, but it's going to be a very, very expensive, very ambitious project that no one's really tried before. So it's exciting to watch. Staying on jobs for a second, I believe the next story is about a skill shortage? Yes, So this next one is a report that's come from Infrastructure Australia, which is an independent body that does research and gives advises the government on industry and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They're not the only people saying this, but they've kind of got an interesting number on this. They're predicting a shortfall of infrastructure-connected labour of over 100,000 roles by the middle of this year. Wow. So things like construction, engineering, The really key thing to watch for energy is electricity. Um, There are a bunch of other bodies that are also saying the labour we need in installing electrical things, we don't currently have that labour market. There's another projection from the Australian Energy Market Operator, so AEMO. They think that grid and electricity infrastructure labour demand will increase until about 2027 and then it'll drop off a little bit. Okay. But a large chunk of the workforce is expected to retire sort of in that period and the population growth isn't really filling that gap. One of the things we really, really need to get greener is to electrify everything and to do that you need electricians, just so many electricians. Yeah. If you know any teenagers who aren't really sure what they want to do for a career, they will always have work if they train as an electrician and they will be able to help the climate as well. So like, that's the advice I would give to anyone who's trying to figure out what to do, become an electrician. You heard it here from Ellen. Everyone, become electricians. <laughs> and this next one is also another Twiggy Forest project. Seems like he's popping up everywhere at the moment. Yeah, Andrew Forrest, nicknamed Twiggy, excellent nickname, is appearing all over the energy space. He's he's throwing a lot of his weight behind green energy. It's very interesting to watch. Yeah. 
The next project I want to take a look at is something that's owned and run by one of Twiggy Forest's organisations, Fortescue Future Industries. It's an electrolyzer factory based in Gladstone in Queensland. Electrolyzers are basically machines that make green hydrogen out of water. So hydrogen, I imagine we'll be talking about hydrogen on the science briefing at some point in the future as well. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) It's essentially, um, you can burn it cleanly in a completely emissions-free way and you can also make it in an emissions-free way if you use an electrolyzer. So it's basically a way to store and transport and therefore sell renewable energy. Forests placed a lot of money behind green hydrogen and one of the sort of first cabs off the rank is this electrolyzer manufacturing facility in Gladstone in Queensland. Right. They started building it last year and this year they're planning to send the first electrolyzers they make kind of out into the world. The first are going to be headed to an island off the coast of Queensland to make green ammonia, which is a form of green hydrogen basically. This factory is kind of one of the first big tests for Forest's big hydrogen plans. Okay. The green hydrogen industry doesn't really exist yet, but if it expands in the way that Forest is predicting it will, there's going to be a lot of money in it by 2030, and there's a lot of potential for Australia to be exporting a lot of green hydrogen and making a fair bit of money off it. And better than coal, everyone. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And lastly, Ellen. Batteries. Tell me about batteries. I would love to tell you about batteries. (laughs) Um, So there's a bunch of big batteries coming online in Australia over the next year, more than a dozen at last count, I think. Um, And they're all sort of doing the same job. They're shoring up storage in the grid and they're also making sure that they can supply electricity really quickly when, say, the wind dies down suddenly. That's the thing that batteries do really, really well. Yeah. I wanted to highlight one particular battery that should be operating by the middle of the year. It's a very little battery by kind of grid battery standards at a place called Yadla Malka, which is just north of Port Augusta. So it's about two megawatts and eight megawatt hours. Um, By comparison, the biggest lithium battery in Australia at the moment is at Geelong. That's 300 megawatts and 450 megawatt hours. So it's tiny. It's, It's very, very small. Okay. So baby. Yeah, by grid standards. The reason I wanted to highlight this one is that it's a different type of tech to most of the big batteries we're using. It's a thing called a flow battery. So it's this old Australian invention. Basically, it uses liquids to store energy. And theoretically, these batteries never, ever run down. Oh, They tend to use vanadium rather than lithium just because vanadium works a lot better in them. The advantage is that they're a little bit safer than lithium-ion batteries and also they don't use lithium, which is becoming a very, very strange resource. Vanadium is also a relatively precious resource, but we're basically diversifying our supply here a little bit. Sure. So I think it's an interesting battery to highlight because it's showing us that the tech's getting kind of smarter and different and we're going to be having a huge range of batteries appearing on the grid. We don't have to tie ourselves completely to lithium, particularly when we're looking at grid storage, when you don't need something that's as small and powerful as possible, when you've got space. Very cool. Okay, so Ellen, there's a lot happening in the energy space for 2023. And as you said, I'm sure we'll be deep diving into some of those topics in later episodes. So everyone listen out for that. But Ellen, thank you so much. Thank you, Sophie. 
And for those of you who don't know yet, Ellen Fidian is a science journalist for Cosmos Magazine. You can read more of Ellen's reporting by heading to cosmosmagazine.com. And as always, the Science Briefing is produced by Listener and the Royal Institution of Australia. This episode was produced by Jake Morecambe with mixing by Darcy Thompson. And I'm Dr. Sophie Calabretto. Catch you next time. Bye.